Swallows of the South is a proud member of the RPG Academy Network. Hello, and welcome to Swallows of the South. I'm Quinn Wilson, storyteller. Today I bring you the second part of our Q&A episode. I apologize for the delay. Before this gets started, I wanted to take a moment to talk about a couple of quick things. First of all, I'd love to encourage all of our listeners to take a look over at the Demon City Slickers podcast. They are an Exalted 3rd Edition actual play that might meet your needs if you are finding that the end of Swallows leaves you craving for some EX3 content. Additionally, I wanted to say that from now on, expect about once every two weeks for there to be an update in this podcast feed where I'm updating the feed with some bloopers and that sort of thing as we continue to make progress on our follow-up show, which will be coming in the near future. We do not yet have a release date for that or a proper title. But there are plans in the works to revisit the world of the Icker and Breath podcast, perhaps in a different city with a different set of characters. But we're really excited to explore that sort of techno-magical urban fantasy aesthetic in all the different ways that it can be explored. So look forward to that, and as the show continues to update with bloopers, expect that perhaps some updates about the upcoming project will follow as well. I think that's just about it, so let's get back to those Q's and those A's. I'm gonna eat this microphone. I'm gonna kiss that beautiful egg. I'm gonna kiss that beautiful egg. I was talking to a customer this morning, and her cat goes really loudly and she was like Shh, oh my god I'm so sorry I wasn't shushing you I was shushing my cat and I was like oh no I heard your cat he's probably like mom I know you just fed me but give me more food and she's like no he's stupid and he really likes ladders and your technician's on a ladder and he wants to get up on there with him <laughs> <laughs> this stupid motherfucker loves ladders <laughs> this son of a bitch can't stay away from ladders I love that I love <sighs> me a cat and a ladder that's gonna be my pub Yay. Welcome to the Swallows of the South Q&A Part 2. <laughs> Big dumps. Hey, buddies, what the fuck is up? <laughs> Let's get this thing going. We all smoked a doobie right before we got so here. Oh, oh, I'm high as Elon Musk right now. <laughs> oh, let's bust some fucking unions. <laughs> I want to shoot a car in a space. Mm-hmm. <laughs> With my girlfriend in it. Uh, safety standards. <laughs> Never heard of them. Get in the fucking submarine. <laughs> my stocks. What's <laughs> happening to my stocks? So that's the Elon Musk corner. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on Elon Musk corner. More like Elon Dank. <laughs> Get it? Because they both refer to a way that things smell. Yeah. More like e- Elon Floral. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Elon Breaking Desk. More like Elon Woodnotes. <laughs> I have a new character to pitch you. <laughs> it's a druid. Uh, okay, but as Josette did say, this is part two of the Q&A. I hope that you've enjoyed these few minutes of... <laughs> ambling wind up oh yeah everybody's here for the banter normally they're here for the drams but now it's time for the banter oh yeah no it's chit chat time that's my favorite time it's my favorite time too especially if uh john isn't there and chanel is 
<laughs> oh, you mean uh, John from Orpheus Protocol? Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Get that loser away. Right? <laughs> I'm kidding, John. <laughs> <laughs> You're okay, I guess. Yeah. You know. Get that on a t-shirt. <laughs> You're okay. I'm getting a You're pin. Okay. I'm going to tattoo that on my butt. How are you going to fit that with all the other tattoos? Yeah. yeah um, well, big butt. I've got a big butt, and I do have about 30 tattoos down there already. I'm going to have to just make room. Um, it's uh, like a fucking NASCAR. I'm just going to have to ask him to use the lasso tool and then just push some of the other ones aside. <laughs> I'm sorry that was sexist. I shouldn't assume that tattoo technicians are all men. <laughs> yeah. I thought somehow that the lasso tool was sexist in some way. <laughs> And I was like, did I did I miss something about Photoshop? Yeah, I was also yeah Wonder Woman and her lasso. We gotta oh, get that lasso. I just all of Quinn's ass. I've been on the internet long enough to know that there's some motherfucker out there with an awful sexist take about the lasso tool, <laughs> and he's a real lasso tool. Or she? No, it's always a he. That it's has all a bad that? opinion. If you're talking yeah. about yeah, except turfs. <laughs> Sometimes turfs are she. <laughs> And they're all bad. Yes, but they were all bad. All right. So, kicking off with a hot question from Nick R. Parentheses, tabletop leader, clothed parentheses, at alias 58. Ooh. What kind of exalted would your glip be? Exigent. More like sexagent, am I right? I'm oh, sorry. Totally. I need to interrupt you here to say that Chanel has <laughs> taken a kneaded eraser on the table and sculpted a, it into a butthole. Made a butthole. Yeah. Uh, I've been I've been gifted with a nice little clay butthole, and yep. I love it. It's uh... it's better than a cat because it's not smelling in your face. <laughs> it's 2018. It's 2018. <laughs> <laughs> Who don't eat ass? Okay. I would say maybe lunar. I would probably say a chosen of sneakrets. I would agree oh, with John. Shit. No, I, I change my. <laughs> I don't. I remain exigent. Yeah. He can be the exalt of specifically gossip. Yeah. 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 Or he could be a dragon blood. He could be a fire aspect for that hot goss. Yeah. <laughs> you know that thing that Borat always said, hot goss. My hot goss. Hot goss buns. All right. Another question from Nick R. Parentheses, tabletop leader, close parentheses at alias 58. What's everyone's favorite shenanigan that they got up to during the run of the show? Ooh. On mic or off mic? Yeah, hey, take take either one. Uh, best shenanigan. And that is a capital S shenanigan, by the way. Does it does it have to be the shenanigans that we got up to, or that anyone got up to? Uh, just as everyone's favorite shenanigan that they got up to. Oh, okay. Because I was gonna say my favorite shenanigans was definitely Goldie talking to Cords and just <laughs> driving him <laughs> completely out of his mind. Yeah, that was very good. Like, just just a complete mental breakdown. It's so just good. <laughs> absolutely fucking him up. <laughs> to break a person down to their final stage. Just right into his component parts. Yeah. Takes a golden touch. <laughs> it was very good. Pun intended. Uh, I would say Shermian was my favorite shenanigan that I didn't realize was a bit that was going to stay. And I'm happy that it did. I was also trying to think of one that happened like off the mic. (laughs) Oh, I was going to say, yeah, not within the last six months, but there's also off the mic stuff. Yeah, well, like within the at any time off mic where we were just dicking around. uh, 
like Josette accidentally sexting me during <laughs> a session where recording. I wasn't where I wasn't there. <laughs> that was not during recording, and it is because of that moment that John and I are great friends. <laughs> you have two choices when you accidentally sex someone. You can either completely own up and become best friends or never talk to them again for the rest of your life. I worked with John. I had no choice. We had to become best friends. The we, problem we was, <laughs> it was such a specific reference, this sext, that John couldn't not know what it was. Yeah, I was like, wow, that's, that's a real weird thing to say, and I know that's not for me. <laughs> I I know this isn't about me. But goddamn, I'm gonna figure it out. But fuck, that's hilarious. <laughs> goddamn, if that's not a reference to a very specific charm. <laughs> if anyone would like an explanation... Uh, Too bad. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> this is for us. <laughs> Take it to my grave. So, there's a couple shenanigans that I really liked. Obviously, there's believing. Believing's great. Mm. Oh, lips yeah. great. Mm, mm, mm. But I think, just in terms of the psychology of the whole thing, my favorite shenanigan was probably Anthony's dad from the Monster Hearts episodes. Oh! Just because... I forgot! Um, actually... Damn, there was a lot that I liked about the Monster Hearts episodes. <laughs> I think Anthony... No, I can't remember your character's name right now. I'm completely blanking on your character's oh, name. Oh, fucking Arnold. Arnold, there we go. Hey, Arnold. Yeah, like, that's exactly what it was. Arnold's well of <laughs> Cheeto <laughs> dust in his belly button was real good. <laughs> but Anthony's dad with his dreams of a cat circus <laughs> and then me just specifically on an out-of-character level playing off of the voice that Alex was putting out and yes. like sort of that social level to it. Yep. I think that one was my favorite. Yeah, I totally forgot. Now, I, I, I don't want to change my answer, but I agree that one's... <laughs> That's up there. So I really like uh, Chanel and Rizzo's thing about like no nudity, but also shit happening to happening to people's pants. Like in the very first episode, Rizzo rips her pants. In the Ashen Mask episodes, Aziza like shits himself and throws up on himself. I think, and just like that, not necessarily running bit, but like yeah, like. Coming back to it <laughs> was, yes, <laughs> was Should've pretty great. Remember um, that. Yeah, poop is when you come from your butt. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I farted and shitted and caved in my <laughs> pants. Um, and then, like, watching Shermie happen was fantastic. <laughs> like, John and Quinn and Rob getting in on them voices. And Chanel being like, nah, I'm, I'm going to chuck this frog. Just give me one second. <laughs> mm-hmm. I also do want to give a shout out in terms of shenanigans to the many... <laughs> Many times I've had to cut like entire 90 second long chunks from episodes. That is when the entire cast starts singing the same song. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, it's very good. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe one it's, day you'll hear it. Sometimes it's like, oh, I wasn't expecting that to be the one that. All right. <laughs> Got him. Uh, anything else? Every single lunch. Yeah. Lunch is Oh, good yeah. Things. Uh, I still hold a very, very soft spot in my heart for the first harmonious accord lunch, and then also the Ragara Vijay lunch, because the word Jalulius still always <laughs> makes me laugh. Tyler Beckett, back to Tyler, asks, We know that you're ending your use of Exalted, but what made it work from a storytelling perspective? Does the high level of crunch help? Ender? Make different? I mean, at least from a player perspective one of the big things about 
the crunch in Exalted that is good for narrative is everyone has a very high degree of narrative control. Yeah. You get to just sort of be like, oh, I have a bunch of things that I can do Mm -hmm. that will affect things around me. And I don't have to, like, mother may I about it and be like, can I do a thing? Well, I don't know. Yeah. Also, super high levels of base competency and exalted. Like, even Mm -hmm. if you don't have it. Okay, well, I'm going to stunt the shit out of this thing, and I'm going to use a willpower on Mm -hmm. it. Like, even if you don't have anything else on it, which is what we were talking about before we recorded. And I I think, like, you can make anything look how you want it to look. Like, when you, like you were saying, Mm -hmm. like, when you stunt something, it can be exactly how you picture it. Like, no, they don't really do that. Like, you're never going to hear that. But then, Mm -hmm. you know, Quinn also lets us do those things. And, Mm -hmm. you know, yes, ands it and will add something to it or, you know, kind of enforce it and make sure it's included later on when... I feel like even if you didn't like that decision or you were like, eh, about it, you're not just going to like shut it down because that was somebody else's idea or it wasn't something that you had planned. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's a thing I think that because of the amount of impact that the crunch allows characters to have on like a broad level, it forces you to play in a very, well, it forces you to either be a shitty GM Mm -hmm. (laughs) or to play receptively. Very and to open-minded. take what people are offering you and build off of that, because otherwise people will find ways to just work their way around whatever specific plot contrivance you have set forward. And do what they want anyway. <laughs> they have the tool set to break doors down yeah. or to make new doors or to walk through doors or what have you. Yeah, I mean, one of the big things for me is the fact that it makes you have such a high baseline level of power is it's much more permissive than restrictive on saying what you do Mm -hmm. you know in a lot of games if i say all right i run across the table and i you know swing on the chandelier and i do a backflip and then i land behind him and i stab him in the back at that point they'd be like all right well do you have skills in swinging and running and of course you're going to be at a minus four for that for the food on the table and it's being able to just sort of stunt and say i do a rad thing and the game says good for you 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 did it Mm -hmm. yeah here's a reward and i think that's important that's a really good incentive to get people doing things i think that there's for some charms really fertile narrative space that they offer in terms of opening up possibilities for exploration of characters Mm -hmm. or exploration of circumstances i also think that a lot of the mechanical systems of the game like social combat standard combat the crafting rules even they provide very specific narrative scaffolds Mm -hmm. they say this is the story that this system is going to tell so this is how you engage in telling that story through these mechanics and that is helpful in terms of engaging with that from a narrative perspective or from a performance perspective but at the same time i'll also say we spend a lot of time ignoring some of the deeper mechanical elements of the game for the sake of the performance, for ensuring that we're able to convey things as concisely or clearly. So there are also sometimes breaks in the recordings where we just pause, talk things out, see how all the mechanics work, and then turn it back on. But because of the reliance of narrative in the frame of the exalted mechanics, it always helps frame all of that once it's done so that it listens relatively easy. Yeah, 
Yeah, and you know, technically we do play exalted rules as written because rules as written, if a rule isn't working for you or the story you want to tell, chuck it out the goddamn window. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't. We're, you're going to summon the specter of Adam Coble and he's going to bash us to death <laughs> because we invoked rule zero. <laughs> yeah, well. Yeah, get dunked on. I, don't care. I follow him on Twitter and he has nice photos and that's why. So, I like fun. a lot of stuff that Adam Coble has to say, and I agree that the Rule Zero excuse is kind of bullshit. Oh, yeah. But there are some tables where, like, something just doesn't work, and it's not like the rule is bad. It's that that's not the story you want to tell, but everything else in the system is. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I, I agree with that. No, I know. You're probably why I have that opinion. <laughs> but the specific contention, since it's been brought up with the Rule Zero excuse, is that it can be used as a defense or building shoddy mechanics or building mechanics that don't serve the intended narrative ends of a game system. And then as opposed to change it, you're just told, well, then don't use it, which is bad game design. Truth. Hashtag truth it and boot it. Here is a hot cue from the Discord. Discord. Sir. Discord user friend computer asks, this question is specifically for John. Hmm. You're in a desert, walking along in the sand, when all of a sudden, you look down, and you see a hot dog crawling towards you. You reach down, you flip the hot dog over on its back, the hot dog lays on its back, its bun baking in the hot sun, beating its mustard trying to be eaten, but it can't. Not without your help. But you're not eating it. Why is that? Okay, so in this scenario, (laughs) it's time to ask some questions. Yeah, go ahead, ask, ask some questions. Now, I know you have all of the answers. Yep. Okay. Now, in this scenario, that means the back of the hot dog is the bun. So, like, it would be dog up walking, and then upside down would be bun up. Yes? That is correct. The wiener is the underbelly. Okay. Oh, no, wait. That would be the opposite of what I was thinking then. So, if the wiener is the underbelly, then you've got dog up, wiener down, and then on its back would be wiener up. Mm-hmm. I need to know about this wiener. Okay. No, no, no. Okay. I have parsed the thing. The sun is baking. The, the sun is shining in the sky. The bun is baking in the hot sun. On its back is wiener down. Wiener is covered in sand. Okay. And it's blasting mustard per the question. Yeah. Now, a sandy wiener blasting mustard is obviously one my of my kinks. band. <laughs> uh, yeah. I saw them open for the kinks. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess the the answer to the question of why I'm not eating it is because it's so damn crunchy. Because with mustard all over the place, you're going to have basically sand mustard mud on that doggle. And I ain't about that life. Yeah, yeah, I, I can feel that. I think it's supposed to be crunchy. It's a taco. Don't you dare? Hinged bun. Don't. It's don't you a, dare? It's supposed you, to be crunchy. <laughs> you, you radical... Sandwich. How dare you say also, that? It's not a sandwich. Hey Chanel, you know we live in San Diego, right? It's a taco. Where ninety percent of the tacos are on unfried corn tortillas. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is true. Dunk dog. No, 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 no. But about half of those use cabbage instead of lettuce, and cabbage crunchy. Yeah, I got you, girl. Yeah. No, they only use those on the fish tacos. Nah, like I fish tacos are nasty. That's because you don't like fish. That's true. Little known fact hate fish and and spicy food (laughs) yeah i'm a big spice baby and i hate that fish so digi luna did specifically want my answer but i'd also like to hear everyone else's i'm gonna say why am i not eating that because i'm beating my own dang mustard (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. I don't like sand in my food. <laughs> it's fair. I don't like sand. It's coarse and it gets everywhere. <sighs> now let me float a peach. <laughs> <laughs> I could float a peach for hours. <laughs> I could float a peach for days. <laughs> Yeah, so don't like sand, don't like mustard, and I can't eat pork or beef, which is what most hot dogs are made of when they're not mm-hmm. made out of a combination of both, so Ta-da. that's why Well, I'm... no one said this wasn't a vegan hot dog. Uh, well, if it's a vegan hot dog, it's an even bigger problem, because those are gross. <laughs> no <laughs> offense, our vegan friends, I cannot eat them. I can't eat Yell's hot dogs. What if it was just, like, a carrot that really looked like a hot dog? You know I hate carrots. <laughs> <laughs> You're done. <laughs> what if it was like a radish? TFW, your radish starts beating mustard. <laughs> that, then yeah, you got to like, put them back in that pokeball. Like the problem. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got me, friend. <laughs> I think we're done. <laughs> I think here. Next question. What was a struggle you encountered in the creation slash production of the show that you absolutely didn't expect from... Demon City Slickers at What Up Demon City, an exalted third edition podcast that you should check out. People fucking leaving. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's the big one. Just dealing with changes. Yeah. Turn and face the strains. Got no players. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I would say it's all the people fucking every time I come over here. Oh, yeah. This place. Help it. Okay. Fuck Dan. Just a hot stink den. It doesn't smell bad. No, it's the body odors. Oh. That's the stank. Yeah. yeah. It smells like old sex and lies in here. Uh, to transform a quote from Rihanna, sex in the air, I don't care for the smell of it. <laughs> <laughs> no, sir. I don't Not like for it. me. No, it's I don't care. I love the smell of it. That's why I said to transform a Rihanna quote. Oh, okay. <laughs> Death of the author. That would be (laughs) a fucking hilarious lyric in that song. Sex in the air, I don't care for the smell. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Just an entire verse about washing your junk. Yeah. Like, it's good. (laughs) Have you can (laughs) Get it together. No. Oh, God. (laughs) I just, I do love the several verses about anal douche. (laughs) Uh, Hi, my name's Anal Douche. <laughs> We've had a lot of fun here today, but I'm here to talk b- to you about something important. Anal douching. Ligma. Ligma balls. <laughs> so, I don't even remember what the question was. What's a thing that we uh, struggled with or encountered that we weren't expecting to struggle with? The company doing terrible things, too. We yeah, didn't expect that. That, too. Mm. Also, sound interference sometimes oh. from noisy upstairs neighbors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. I wasn't expecting to deal with as much heat. <laughs> oh boy. I'm yeah. I'll say yeah, when we moved to this new place and started recording in this office, we were not expecting to record in an oven. Yeah. Yeah. Uh lava demons not in the equation. Lava demons in the floor? I, I don't know. care for the smell of them. <laughs> it's more likely than you think. I had no idea what to expect at all. So she just expected everything. Should I I expected nothing and I was like <laughs> Well, this is normal. I mean, that's fair. I assumed this. I had played D&D about two times before we sat down and recorded. And Quinn was there. Quinn and Josette were both there for one of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was a hot garbage sesh, too. Yeah, Lenny's place the first time. Mm-hmm. 
Hmm. No, remember we played at Lestat, uh, not Lestat, the gelato place. Yeah, yeah, at um, Cafe Vero. Gelato, yeah. yeah Cafe Gelato. Cafe Vero in Always Old Town, there. San Diego on Washington Street, where you can eat yummy gelato and mm-hmm. play D&D. Mm-hmm. Look at the ocean. Come to beautiful downtown San Diego. Please, jacket on one of our many fine city streets. Be careful not to catch hepatitis A. There's been an outbreak recently. Always. Many people died. That's not a joke. Many people died. No, that's that's a lie from the Democrats to make me look bad. Right, yeah. Yeah. Hashtag topical. So, yeah, I mean, that's that question. Next! Julio, get the stretch. <laughs> uh, this is from Twitter user at Picker Poster, who asked us many questions. So many questions. Would it be okay to borrow any of the PCs and or Yorglip to use as NPCs for my own campaign? I have no imagination, and a wandering Goldie is guaranteed to brighten a scene. Mm. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I say go for it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, no, Ashen Mask TM. <laughs> I demand... Anyone but Ashen Mask can be used. Yeah, no, if you want to use Ashen Mask, I demand royalties. <laughs> My only request is specifically that if ever you're in a game with me, not to use them. Yes, mm. yeah. Otherwise, go to town. I believe in the transformative nature of fiction. Just remember, everyone is a total disaster gay. Yeah, except for Noah Oldman. Yep. And... Arguably seven symphonious chords. <laughs> Another question. There's a, a number of questions, so I'm going to pick the spiciest ones. To Quinn specifically, are there any NPC interactions you wish you would have done differently? I usually get my best ideas about eight months after the fact. I think I said this on the last Q&A, but I think in episode like 19 or 20 of Rogueras and River Pirates, when shortly after there were the two losses in the three fights that happened against the people from the realm. I feel like I handled the fallout of that pretty poorly, including the introduction of Tawia as an NPC and the reveal um, of Cass. And I just feel like I could have done that a little bit more subtly and in a way that wasn't me trying as hard as I was to maybe course correct for something that didn't need course correction. Another question from Picker Poster. Ooh, could you talk about what face stealing is analogous for? Any other elements of social commentary in the setting you'd like to discuss? So, John, I know you know a lot about face stealing. I do. I know that the Avatar had to deal with it and that it's a sad time when you go against a face stealer and they take your face. They take your face off. Face off. (laughs) And hey, those faces, they could eat a peach for hours. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I really thought you were going to say, in those faces, we're Albert Einstein. <laughs> hey, in those faces, I don't care for the smell of them. <laughs> <laughs> I know that. Right. Uh, I get that one. <laughs> I got that one. Um, but face stealing isn't directly analogous for anything. It's mostly me building off of some ideas and concepts in and trends in culture and working with those. It has a lot to do with the ideas of the transformation of labor and the assignment of blame in a late capitalist framework where they have taken an activity that is supposed to be, it is supposed to be a coming of age right. And the important thing about that coming of age right is supposed to be that you climb the tree and you carve your your smiling eyes into the, into the tree. 
It then ch- shifted in meaning to the important thing not being the task, but the presence of your face on the tree, which then allowed for the hiring of people to then go and carve other people's faces. But there was still associated meaning with the face carving, which makes people who carve other people's faces socially reprehensible, which then allows for the maintenance of social dynamics where people who are already impoverished and have very few courses of economic recourse are reliant on people who are forcing them to undertake tasks that keep them socially oppressed in order to sustain their well-being. So it's basically why capitalism is bad. Cool. Thanks, Karl Marx. (laughs) Um, And there's a lot of other elements of social commentary in the setting. There's talk about, like, imperialism all over the place. Um, And, yeah, it would take so much time to unpack that I don't feel like it's fair for all of the other (laughs) questions. I feel like I didn't even really do face stealing the the best favor. But uh, if you go looking around on my Twitter, if you... If you term search me and you look up face stealing, I've done a couple of threads on it. So if any of you have any more comments on the social commentary, I'd love to hear it if you have any thoughts. I really feel like we don't really comment on social issues. This is yep. more of a, a popcorn type of thing yeah. where you just, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. let your let your brain just shut off for a while and enjoy. Yeah, I definitely would say that um, we're not political. No, no agendas. We're not trying to say anything to anyone. About anything. Why would we? We it, have this open space. Yeah, right? No, it, that, that would be ridiculous. <laughs> That'd be like, preposterous. Why? But Justin Michael at Tiernan CP asks, if you could have lunch with any of the characters of the show, who would it be? Talia. Well, I mean, if they're the ones making the lunch, then sure. No, mm. just like for me, Talia, hands down, all the way. Okay. Not any of the lady npcs who would crush you <laughs> i mean the bull of the north might get so flustered uh, <laughs> quinn makes very good npcs um but i feel like i would trip over myself like the least with talia and even if i did trip over myself like super insanely terribly i probably wouldn't remember that helps yeah, that's good yeah i'd pick your glip because i love gossip <laughs> that's good like I just love it. I feel like the answer has to be like, God, it's got to be either believing or Qui-Gon Jinn and Juice just so I can hang out with a cool animal for a while. Yeah, this that's is good. also true. That's good. For me, I'm going to say either Rue mm. or the small men. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Go, it's just me and the boys. <laughs> Michael also asks... What moments got you the most while recording, either emotionally or from a comedic standpoint? Youths! <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> Chanel fucking kills uh. me with that line. I cannot stress it enough. Like when Chanel cried youths for who <laughs> spray painted the door of Quinn's, uh, when she had Aziza like just like shit himself as like Ashen Mask was like throwing him down and like threw him up on himself. And then her just like your description of like Aziza fucking walking back to the ship and being like, step, step, uh, step, step, uh, step, step. Is it worth it? Like, oh my gosh. I, I got was... a thing for pooping. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've been in that situation, so. I mean, haven't we all? I, I think if you haven't, you're not living. <laughs> you're no. not living your best life. Yeah. You're not living your best life if you haven't. 
almost shut yourself. Done the shit waddle. Yeah. (laughs) Where every step is precarious. Eat more fiber is all I have to say. Eat more fiber if you haven't Mm -hmm. been there yet. Yeah. I think also whenever we were in the... Pagoda? Yeah. Everybody's... Uh, I think that was like definitely a whole entire recording in its entirety that was like, oh shit. Oh shit. We care. And we're putting a lot into this emotionally. Too late. Uh, also, when Ariston died. Yeah. That was another, got, got the best of me. Yeah. There was definitely a lot of crying happening. Which was surprising because I was just going to be like, oh, I'll just play sad. Yeah. Me too. Me yeah. too. I thought that a couple times throughout the course of this thing, and especially in the last little while, there were a couple of times where just as the NPC or what have you, I was like, oh, whoa, uh, hey, my eyes, Wipes why am I tears. Why am I crying right now? Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, oh, no. Oh, no. Like, that happened with when Forlorn Arya and Lakshu were deposed during one of those scenes. I suddenly just had tears in my eyes. Yeah. Also... From a comedic standpoint, again, this is somewhat difficult because I've been doing this for like two and a half years, <laughs> yeah. and there's it's so many different comedy bits that happened, and so many of them were peripherally on mic or didn't make it onto the microphone. Oh, yeah. And we've been with so many different combinations of performers that it's hard to remember. Mm-hmm. So I can only remember a couple from like my own comedic offerings, yeah. and two from early on that stand out mm-hmm. are Hot Dog Vomit. Because <laughs> that's a great way to twist the corrupted word spell. Yeah. And the lunch with Hearth Eternal, where he wept about his goldfish. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yep, yep. I think that that yep, is yep, one yep, of yep. my proudest moments as a comedian to yeah. this day. Just all of the emotional weight mm-hmm. that went into that. And I totally forgot about that. More recently, there's been a lot of bangers, a lot of like youths. I fucking I loved talking to a door. <laughs> just just sitting there having a nice little convo with a door. I'm like, this is the best. This, this is, is the, the life. Best. <laughs> yeah, that was a that was a fun one. And there were some moments in the earlier parts of the podcast that also got me pretty. Yeah, there's John some sculpted a penis, and I just almost said they got me pretty hard emotionally. So, <laughs> oh, that got me pretty hard. Yeah, I was rock hard with tears <laughs> that was pretty turgid with sadness i was beating mustard out of my <laughs> eyes <laughs> but the stuff with godwin with the vagi flashback a lot of the stuff with Arya's pain around her parents the conflicts with the realm a lot of that stuff hit interesting emotional places for me mm-hmm. ludo asks why does ashen mask get to have two sandwiches <laughs> Why does Ashen Mask get to have two sandwiches, John? Uh, well, obviously because he has so many more pockets than anyone else, so he's hidden extra sandwiches. Also, he probably stole them. Yeah. Okay, that's the more. Because I was going to say, Rizzo has Qui-Gon who has an infinite amount of space. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, but Qui-Gon ate the other sandwich. Oh, Probably. Yeah. I guess Thief. Okay. That's why Qui-Gon and Ash Mask get along so well. They're both little thieves. Yeah. Little bandits. Little bandits. Little bandit. I love a bandit. I love Smokey. The bear? And the bandit. And the bandit? Smokey is the bandit. And the bear. Smokey is the bear. 
and S- the bandit. Smokey's my wife. <laughs> my wife. If you look upon the bear and you consider its fundamental attributes, you will find yourself wondering, is this domesticity? Are these the bounds of marriage? <laughs> Am I being shot with a Nerf gun for doing this? Yes. The answer to all of these questions is yes. Oh, you know yes. what? Hold on. I want to bring something up. Uh, what was the question again? No, I know this. Uh, what Why do I get you? to have two sandwiches? Oh, this is a different one. I you wanted can circle to bring back. Up, I'm circling back. I want to bring up this one character that Quinn used to do where... I drew a line. We did it once, and I drew a line that I would never, ever, ever, ever... If I was in this room, I did not want to hear that character come back again. Yeah, there was a couple things like that where I stumbled upon little ticks <laughs> that yeah. would happen... That would just get someone yeah, in a certain like, way. Yeah, like, hot no. Just, oh, no, that's canceled. <laughs> Hard yeah. pass. Hard pass. Hard pass. There was also um, a fun character who would sometimes show up, who did get lip service in the Wink. Monster Hearts episode, but there was a recurring character in the background of a lot of episodes named Grumbus. Oh, yeah. He's everybody's good friend. His name is Grumbus. Grumbus. Hey, my name is Grumbus. What's going on, everybody? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have a good time. It's Grumbus. That's the one I did like. Of, I think both surfaced initially yeah. at the same time. Hey, everybody, I'm gonna have a good time. My name's Grumbus. It it's bad. Makes me want to grit my teeth. Um, <laughs> Do you want to shoot it with the Nerf gun? That's nah, right. For now. So, yeah, everyone's. I haven't found one for John, but we'll get there. <laughs> yeah. We'll find one. Or John's just immune. Uh, yeah. I uh, mean, he does have no feelings. It's true. There's nothing. It's mm-hmm. just a black boy. doesn't void. get heartburn. Yeah, I know. That's what still annoys me. Oh yeah, day. I'll I'll eat pizza right before going to bed, and it's fine. It's all fine. John is the oldest of us, and he's the only one who doesn't fucking get heartburn. Oh yeah, somebody burn oh, his yeah. heart. It smells like something's burnt. Probably beans again. Beans. <laughs> Frijoles. Oh, someone's out there cooking beans again. Poor beans. Get in here, beans. Next one. Come it's in me. here, beans. Shia LaBeouf. Come in, Bean. So these are going back Come to that beans. big well of questions from Rob Stiff. <laughs> Shoutouts to Rob. <laughs> Shoutouts. <sighs> we love you, boo. <laughs> and we a boo. Yeah. And we a boo, yeah. Yeah, good, good dog. dog. <laughs> Jinx. Yummy soda. What unexpected player choice or action had the greatest impact on the story? And if it says obvious as I think it is, Let's look at a runner-up or two. Fucking Godwin. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a good question. I mean, there were a lot of them. Just definitely Godwin deciding that he was going to side with Arya and then deciding, oh, hey, we're just going to be the rulers of this city now. Let's kick your parents out was like, all right, I guess. <laughs> I guess that's the story we're telling. But even before that, him just deciding, oh no, I'm going to straight up murder Ragara Vijay. We're not going to talk this out. We're not going to subdue him. I'm just going to stab him through the goddamn throat. That's good. That's always good. And then it seeded the grounds for basically everything that followed. Yeah. And I don't know. There's been so many big choices that have happened. But also try not to orient myself in my preparation in a way that leaves me 
reeling when people do things that I wasn't maybe expecting. Mm -hmm. Like, I try not to spend a lot of time projecting as to what are the courses of action that they might take, because I don't necessarily think that that's a productive way to inform me reacting. I more think about how people or things are oriented in the world or the way that they react to things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Especially because... He's engaged to me, so he knows that my brain comes just straight out of left field. And I will say, <laughs> to that end, there's there's sort of two of them. And one was Goldie's interactions with Seven Symphonious <laughs> Chords, but it didn't quite tip over because there was almost, if she had pushed a little harder, or if, like, Chords decided to push back, that could have spent, sent the entire city spiraling out of control. Mm-hmm. And then her approach with Languishing Diatribe at the end. It had an impact on the story. Yeah. It didn't have an impact on much that followed, but it created this very different sort of tone and tenor. Mm-hmm. And it allowed for like this cohesion, a, a lot of the themes that had been laid out in the story before. Mm-hmm. And it created this bow that made those things really feel like a good through line mm-hmm. where there was very much the potential or even expectation that that would be just a big old brawl between Goldie, a bunch of blood apes and languishing diatribe. Which... That is funny because it is the second time uh, in this story that Quinn set me up for a battle group because he knows that I love to play the fighty characters and just wreck things. So like I built Goldie for battle groups because there wasn't someone for that. And so in the pagoda, he gave a battle group and I was like, motherfucker, do you know how much I just want to like wreck them and describe me wrecking them and pull them? But Goldie doesn't want that. And so when it was the next battle group and Quinn was like, yeah, so da 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 and you can fight her. And I was like, but, nah. but, but could I not fight her? <laughs> and it was so cool crazy for me to have changed that much as a player because that is what I set out to have Goldie be is that change in me as a person or rather a role model for other little Joes out there who think they don't have a choice but to be the shonen hero that punches his way through the story mm-hmm. and uh, it was it was really crazy because I don't know, like, it was really crazy for me because it was huge personal growth in a story where I wasn't expecting it. And Mm -hmm. that decision with the first battle group is really, to me, what set it up for me to not be like, oh, yeah, totally, I'm going to wreck that battle group of blood apes. Mm -hmm. For sure. Even though you knew you could. Oh, I could have. I could have so In the snap of a finger. Oh, yeah. Or the swing of a a scythe. (laughs) I also do want to give a shout out to... Ariston letting Harmonious Accord go after yes. their fight. Oh especially because of all of the weird sexual energy that wound up building up between oh them. Oh my god. There was just a lot of weird stuff that was going on there, which then totally gone allowed it. him to come back yeah. and become a valued member of this party. Yeah. yeah. One more question from Rob. He asked some more questions, but hey, we've been going for a while now. But hey, fuck that guy. <laughs> but hey, Rob... I value you, and you're my good friend. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll be talking with you on Saturday before this episode is released. And in a few minutes, for some of us. Yep. <laughs> Rob asks, did you expect the players to take nearly the entire game to discover that Seven Symphonious Chords was basically a good guy the whole time? I didn't believe it. I... Not until it was right in front of my face. Don't think so. I was expecting it to come up in Season 2, really. I was building a lot of the foundation for that in season two, and then it just took us a long time to get back to Jaway, and we had to shift some priorities with Godwin having shifted out, and so 
that sort of became the space where that was going to happen. But I did expect it to come out sooner. But everyone's priorities were a little bit different. Like around the time that he allied with everyone during the invasion of the realm, there was some potential there for some exploration of that to happen. But also people were maybe a bit more combative with him than they should have been in those <laughs> negotiations. Mm -hmm. So no, but I'm actually kind of happy that it shook out the way that it did because I feel like this was an interesting and satisfying way to allow things in Jaway to wrap up and have meaningful development there at the end. And we got about 50,000 questions from Richard Kreutzlandry, which is appreciated. It's I'd like just... to shout out to Richard. Um, we made a pact like maybe a year ago that I was going to make you a fortune teller and you were going to give Quinn a spider ring for me. And that still hasn't happened. You're on spider blast. You're on spider blast. <gasps> Radioactive spider blast. <laughs> Radioactive spider blast. 1999. Uh, uh, thanks, green jello. <laughs> so what I'm going to do is mm. I'm going to pass this sheet of paper with all of Richard's questions on it. And everyone pick is going to pick one. Aw. Aw. Aw, Deb. Aw. All right. Chanel, you get to pick two. Aw. Aw, beans. Aw, Deb. Aw, Deb. The kids. <laughs> They're always screaming. Uh, Did the writers of this show ever interact with real children? <laughs> okay. So I guess I'll pick the one that is very specifically for me. Uh, did John know Ashen Mask was going to fall off the boat, or was that something that just sort of worked itself out? Uh, it was not entirely certain. There was a point where I was kind of planning on just stealing the boat and having an airship. And yeah. speaking of things that might have derailed I was the plot. Say, because we had talked about the potential of, hey, this would be an interesting way to introduce Ashen Mask. Yeah, there was a moment there I was like, maybe he's just going to show up in a boat. <laughs> yeah, a there, boat full of small men. <laughs> there, was, there was definitely a minute there when Josette, who is now the captain after the old captain was dead, was like threatening me. And I went, you know, I'm an exile. I could just murder this person. But I decided not to. Like there was, there was just, a, just a brief flicker of nah fuck it i want my own airship that went through my head yeah that could have changed things but it would have been an interesting change i think <laughs> uh so that's my question that i would i would take all right chanel take your two you I so feel like i could be able to do three because there's one that's just like a yes or no okay it's, it's the one about the pine cones was the pine cone that showed up in one of the pictures for the recording sessions a direct inspiration for the pine cones in the show or was it created after the fact it was created after the fact we definitely yeah. were like oh pine cones that's so cheap googly eyes that's even cheaper <laughs> even though pine cones are free and then we made one and then we left it in lenny's apartment mm -hmm. i thought that was cheap enough I mean, um, easy enough. <laughs> How much of Rizzo's family was created after the show began? All of it. Um, Everyone. Also, in great contrast to how Josette made her story, she wrote that all up beforehand. And I am an improviser at heart <laughs> and don't do things till right when they're asked of me. Also, in looking to get people at the table, it was a lot of people coming to the recording who didn't have a lot of like tabletop role-playing experience. Correct. And it was a lot of people who had improvisational experience so i went all right let's build like 
the basics of your character. Like, mm-hmm. let's get that that fleshed out. That took like two sessions, and then just start going from there. Yeah, because that was going to get things going smoothly. Yeah, and without people having to be like, "Oh man, I have to." You want me to fucking learn about this dense ass setting? What the fuck? Basically, I told Quinn, "I'm gonna do this." But I'm not going to understand any of it, so I'm going to need you to walk me through it. And then Quinn was, like, super down. And then Josette knew it also and had, I think, come in it a few times and yeah. also helped out with just things, just sitting in on recordings really early on just to also help explain things. And I still don't even know what I learned in the end. But Quinn asked us specifically, and he knew what he was getting into. And for anyone yeah. who doesn't remember, me and Quinn were on the same improv team, and that's how we met. Yep. And that's where I made that music video from, because it was a <laughs> yeah. promo for our team. It was good. Um, but yeah, and I think that that provided a lot of good stuff. I don't think people should necessarily carry too much baggage mm-hmm. into their characters. I think yeah. there's interesting stuff like, Mm-hmm. For the next thing that we're working on, we've got a little bit more of a set backstory, and we're, like, looking at themes that we're interested in exploring. Yeah. But we also aren't coming into this with, like, here's a here's a binder full of information. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which was nice. And that actually ties into a question Richard asked of me, which is, Joe, Goldemite of the Dawn is fierce and adorable and stubborn as hell. How much of that is just you? <laughs> also, how much of her backstory did you uh, know before you started recording? So like Chanel said, I yeah. knew just about all of it. Um, I had the bullet points down and mm-hmm. I had written like a short for me slash Quinn uh, just to kind of have like some characterization of her. Um, and then how much Joe is in Goldemite of the Dawn? Just a pinch, you know, like I said last session. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just, just a pinch. Just a small. Like, I'm a very potent substance. It's like cayenne pepper. You really just need a pinch. If, for example, Golden Might of the Dawn was very tired <laughs> and someone were <laughs> telling Golden Might of the Dawn that maybe she needed to get some sleep, I've got a sense that perhaps Golden Might of the Dawn would threaten to push someone off of a beanbag and beat that person with said beanbag for insinuating that Golden Might of the Dawn might perhaps be tired. <laughs> that is a strangely specific example that I have no idea where you got it from. Must be all that improvisation. Or a different instance where perhaps she <laughs> might threaten and yell, no, you're the one who's tired. <laughs> Fully convinced. Uh, and my second question that I've chosen from Richard is, overall, how well do you feel the show hit the themes you were trying to convey for Chanel? Oh, for Chanel. What? That's everybody. Now, this part's for me. For Chanel. I can't read. What are the... (laughs) What are you most proud of with Rizzo? Uh, Reading is hard. (laughs) It's in the dark. The lights are on. It is also quite dim. I made this character as though it was Tommy from Rugrats, Arnold, and uh, I don't know. Any other do-gooder character that's supposed to do right by everybody and choose what's right and struggles in a world where a lot of things are shit and I try to live my life that way and I think we hit a lot of those themes because this world was shit and there was a lot of things going on that was wrong. But Rizzo did try to do what she could to make the right decisions and lead with her heart instead even though there's like corruption and everything like that. So I think I'm happy that that stayed throughout. I didn't know that if that was going to end up being a thing, but I am happy that um, that's something that she was able to leave off on. Mm-hmm. And 
to the general question, I think that we managed to hit a lot of those notes pretty well. A lot of it being about responsibility, about the use of power, about imperialism and capitalism and coercive uses of power, but also that people can be good and they can do good things mm -hmm. and they can make a positive impact, but that you got to do the work. Yeah. Start small. Start small, always. Any other thoughts on that one? I mean, at the end of the day, just believe in love and mercy. <laughs> Wink. Um, but no, uh, I feel the show hit what it uh, ultimately tried to go for because I would not ever call Swallows of the South lighthearted. But uh, jokes on you. <laughs> that's not really quite the theme of it. It was more having hope in seemingly hopeless circumstances. And if you have the power to make things better, to do so. Mm -hmm. um, so, Quinn, what's your question from Richard? My final question, the final question of this Q&A, is, Quinn, did you find my tummy is grumbles? <laughs> did you find my tummy is grumbles? Hey, Quinn, did you find my tummy is grumbles? <laughs> Sergeant Grumbles! Sergeant Grumbles! <laughs> Quinn, did you find it was difficult to navigate the tonal shifts between humor and pathos? Not really. There were sometimes in those moments of pathos that people, as a sort of natural reaction, make jokes and I would have to cut some of those out to maintain tonal cohesion. But that's how we go through life a lot of the time. I've had, you know, stuff happen and I just have like depression and anxiety and stuff where one of the easiest ways for me to cope with that is that sort of quick switch. You just got to you got to be able to face it and then just go, all right, let's start cracking these jokes. Let's start. Mm -hmm. Let's start doing that. But then also sometimes you have to sit with it and like let it be. So that is a sort of natural state for me yeah like weed just like weed <laughs> just like weed i actually lied that's not the last question that's the last listener submitted question oh no mm -hmm. i did have a question for all of you mm -hmm. and that is did you have any questions that you wanted to ask all of us i fucking Boom. did oh no uh okay oh yes <clears throat> yeah what's the what's the Pay like here. <laughs> Are there benefits? <laughs> yeah, about that starting time. I'm going to need to push that back. I have a question for Quinn. Yep. Do you ever plan on returning back to the stage? I've been thinking about one? it recently. Oh, fuck yeah. Um, oh, fuck me. It's, you know, some of those logistical questions of like, all right, where do I get my foot back in the door? And then I know some of the There's companies. So many people who have done that. Right, and depending on like what company I'm going on, like yeah. all that stuff. But mm -hmm. it's something I consider. It's something I really do enjoy a lot. I also get a lot of that same enjoyment out of doing this. Mm -hmm. But there's some skills that it helps keep sharper, and it's something that I really do enjoy a lot. So mm. it's been in the back of my mind lately. Because mm. that's how I met our yeah. friend also. Mm. I remember. Mm. Yeah, he did uh, a super dorky OMG don't listen to it opening on the last episode uh, that talked about how it was because he took like the mm. final question or the final class for improv and then met y'all on the college team that swallows his ear. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I met Chanel and Lenny and Alex and Spencer and Jason. Yes. Oh, yeah. And, and Ochre oh, and yes. Gray. I forgot about <laughs> <laughs> um quinn yeah i have a question for you mm -hmm. if it's will you marry me i'm gonna gag 
I already asked him that, and he said yes. I know. How's your dick? <laughs> really get into it. What are you going to call the next? <laughs> what are you having for dinner? You already ate dinner, sucker. No. What are we calling the next podcast? That's a conversation we need to have as a group. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> I just want um, to put you on the spot. For big city. Yes. Quinn's just looking around the room. Yeah, there's a big city and then also some piss in here. Yeah, obviously. Um, no. Um, Quinn is now actually looking around yeah, the room. I am actually now. Curtain. <laughs> um, Sergeant Pecker's Lonely Hard Cub Band. What? what? Shut up. <laughs> what? Something that is probably reflective of the setting or the themes that we're going for. Just don't have it selected yet. Yeah, probably something like pumpkin dumpers. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, or dumpkin pumpkin. No, I think that'll beaters. be a character in it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's me, Sergeant Dumpkin. So, Sergeant Dumpkin. Gosh, I want to have a question. I just am also very lightheaded, and so I can't think of one that is good. Um, John, you go first. Second. <laughs> you go third. I have no questions for anyone. I don't care about anyone here, so yes. that's fine. I once was drowning in the pool that was almost drowning outside of the pool that's outside of Quinn's house, and uh, John just walked by. Yeah, well, yeah. if I saw you drowning, I would not lend a hand. He did, however, <laughs> let me know, and I dove in, and as we all know, yeah. I hate water, but, you know, she for Chanel. It. Yeah, she didn't. Chanel's mm-hmm. worth it. Nice. Come back. <laughs> nice. I can nice. feel it coming. In the air tonight. It's right in the air like a rain, like a light rain. How did you come up with your name for Ashen Mask? That I don't know. Yeah, just... I I have a very weird time of coming up with names for things where, you know, if I'm doing something that's like just a regular proper name, I'll try and find something with some meaning mm. to what I was doing. Mm-hmm. But with Ashen Mask, I think I think I started from Mask because I was like, oh, he's gonna have like the the charms that let him basically look like whatever. Mm-hmm. So I kind of wanted Mask to be in his name, and then I think I just picked Ashen randomly, and then decided, okay, then he's he's just really Ash looking. Also, I never really got into it, but he's one hundred percent character wise in my mind what he looks like is uh, Captain Cold from the Flash TV show. Yes! <laughs> 1,000%. Just a little Wentworth. Yeah, he's, a, he's a, just, a, just a little bit of a Wentworth. He's J.G. Wentworth. Yeah. It's up in cash now. Uh, <laughs> it's my money and I need it now. 800 588 Wentworth! Chanel, what about you and Rizzo? Rizzo is my favorite Muppets character. Hell yeah, shout out to the Muppets. <laughs> now, Quinn, of the names that you have given people, what is the one that you are like most proud of? Or give me like your top three favorite or something. <laughs> I I have no confidence in the names I give any character. Um, so that is kind of a tough one. I actually really like the name Twin Horns Ascendant or the son of a cattle baron. <laughs> so I like Twin Horns Ascendant. I really like uh, Big Fat Stinky Pete. Mm-hmm. He's good. He's a good frog lunar. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wasn't there actually a Pete in the North? Yes, it was P-E-E-T, though. Oh, okay. There we go. I don't know. I I also actually rather liked Tawia and Adventure of Tide as mm-hmm. names, mostly because I was able to call on some of those early definitions of the word adventure or of adventure 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 of tide's name because it means to go out and then to return mm. what about golden which light is of what the dawn tide also. does um so for golden might of the dawn as quinn would not let me name her all the believing might of the useless <laughs> um like the root of or like the early seeds of golden might of the dawn's character were like shonen heroes um and i ultimately narrowed it down to being all might um deku and naruto Mm -hmm. and so i pitched to quinn a don't give me that face john i think you mean boruto's dad (laughs) (laughs) no boruto's dad's monster no (laughs) um but I originally like pitched to Quinn half jokingly that I would call her all the believing might of the useless, mm-hmm. um, which is in part since I couldn't name her that how believing, loving and mercy got theirs mm-hmm. um, from base concepts of them or maybe transfigured concepts of them. And then I kind of just went with what she was at the root of it mm-hmm. and in part inspired by them and what they are like the might from all might remain because it was also applicable and in her backstory she earned her name of golden might because of her hair being so sunny and Mm -hmm. her muscles but it was for narrative purposes i guess and i'm i overthink names like so hard if that was not obvious by the last five fumbling minutes of me like magenta rain is probably the only character that i did not like pour thought into and the reason why is because we were talking about when john and i worked at office depot and we had this stupid fucking hp large format printer shout outs to hp get fucking dunked on (laughs) (laughs) um eat a big stinky turd hp (laughs) and the printer oh my god we had to fill out so many work orders because they would not replace the cartridge that held all of the ink cartridges like the printer head or whatever and so just every once in a while we'd print something off of the large format and just streaks of magenta were just poured over it like magenta rain which turned into us joking off of that for a few minutes which ultimately became the name of my character and there you have it yep. and there you have it there's the behind the scenes the most thought of any of our <laughs> that's a lot of thought you put into that there character name yeah just uh just wait until whatever we do in <laughs> spits of the east i am sure i will overthink that until my brain melts and I did have a one last question for everybody. Uh, how fucking hype are you for our next project? So fucking hype. Back to you, Quinn. So Ooh, hype, I just... pass it off to John. I just, I just licked the microphone a little. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. I'm that hype. Back to you, Joe. Answer, you have to answer right now. What's the hypest you've ever been? <laughs> how hype have you been? Have you been lick a microphone hype? Because I have. I've been hype enough to kiss a beautiful egg. <laughs> Quinn doesn't like eggs, so that's very hype. Smash mouth, eat the eggs. Uh, I guess on like a scale of one to ten, like one being the worst and like ten being the best, I guess I'd have to say I am roughly a twelve, you know? All right, folks, you heard it here. There's hype in the air. <laughs> this time, I do love the smell of it. <laughs> Thanks for taking this ride with us. 
See you out there on those dusty trails, just the way I say it at the end of every episode. <laughs> Mosey on out of there, and be sure to give a pet to a dog. <laughs> the thing I always say. That thing we always say at the end of every episode. didn't know this was on. Fuck. What's popping? Ah. Oh.